kids, this is Kabayan. I'd like to welcome you to the Long Beard Podcast. You can visit us at www.longbeardmusic.com. Enjoy. This is uh, Longbeard Podcast number one, and I'm just going to start it in the middle of the conversation, which is what friends should do anyway. Like, we're, ha- we're already having a conversation. We're now recording it, and uh, we're talking about Occupy Wall Street. Current, this is the current events portion of our podcast. I mean, it's all going to be current in a sense, but even my, even my past is present. That's a song. This is the metaphysical portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, thank you. We believe in the two W's. You'll have to figure out what they are. Um, Wine and weed. So, <laughs> it's Brian, our tech guy. You might hear him, you might not. Um, That's Kawhi, okay. our, our other tech guy. You might hear her barking orders at us. So the first first things first with Occupy Wall Street. Okay. Let me tell you, let's tell you what we believe it's about. And I'll tell you what I believe. It's really the, with all of the different... Kabayo! This is like, there's like a dog war happening. Uh, Of course, right when we turn on the recorder, the dog war starts. No, it's like, (laughs) it's happening. It's like the sharks and the jets, but between dogs. It's like Retriever versus Chihuahua. Yeah, but it's like West Side Story. I mean, I get you. We're going to bring it all back. Or the introduction. Jazz hands. Or no, the the climax. This is our theater portion. The climaxing portion of Beat It. Oh, that sounded awful. Okay. Anyways. No, where they have the choreography, where it's I like a face-off. I have the night fight, yeah. where they wrap the string around the yeah, belt. Yeah, I cannot believe I just... Um, no, Beat It's awesome. That's another current event going on right now. They're having the trial about the doctor who killed him. Conrad oh, Murray. Yes, that's right. that's right. Anyways, I don't really care about that. I the have dead, not, The yeah. dead is dead, and he obviously... Oh, now, I, now I'll end up talking about it, but I'm, you know. I have to say, I had this, um, I don't know what made me think of it, but yesterday I had this, like, really strong impulse that you he faked, no, that he faked his death and that he's oh, sitting back so pleased that he can finally be free because Anytime you know what? anybody that famous part, no. dies like this we always think that like so, supposedly two is he sitting with Tupac and Elvis and they're having beers yes actually he's with Elvis no it's just that I realized that that was like the compassion I finally feel for him and didn't know oh, where to put it because he was know? such a broken case he, he was, was such a, a broken case and during and his life and well. he did and his parents broke him but during his lifetime he <laughs> I just totally lost my train the two W's um but no 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 it's like okay I know what I was oh. gonna say <laughs> <laughs> during his lifetime he was not treated with complete benevolence I mean, the media was really hard on him. Yeah. People, even even I was like, you Joe know what? Joe Jackson, his father, was really hard on him. Even during his lifetime, even I was like, I don't know if he was a child molester or not. In case you haven't caught on, we're talking about Michael Jackson. So, I couldn't... Like, this is the Longbeard Podcast, talking about Michael Jackson. Thank you. 
<laughs> During his lifetime, I couldn't tell whether he was innocent or guilty about all the controversies. Each time a controversy surrounded him, I was left feeling on the fence because I was like, who could really know this man and who knows what's really going on? But now that he has passed away, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't... Because I'm like, that poor Michael, I wish he had were able to fake his own death so he could get away from the... Da, da, da. It's like, I probably would not have said that 10 years ago. See, I... I, I, I it's very hypocritical. I think, no, it's okay, though, because you can feel both things. Like, I've always felt both ways. Like, A, I felt really bad for him and felt like this is ridiculous, but B, I felt like these are the things that I file under things that I will never know. Like, I know as much about and will ever know the reality as much about what happened between Michael Jackson and a few kids as I will know whether Jesus actually walked the planet. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, there, there are two do. things that I can't ever know, so I can't judge something that I don't really know. I think that he, you know, from what I can tell, like I wouldn't have wanted to hang out with him, but but he, you know. He, I tell you, you he know. was he was a vulnerable, sheltered bajillionaire. And that is just like Lot for lawsuits, for allegations. I mean, you're just, it's like a fish in a friggin' barrel. Exactly. And, and you and I will never be able to sort out between the two of those right. which is which. So it's almost like I felt like as much as like I get a weird feeling from all this, like I don't know enough to like yeah. really hate them. And yeah. you'll never be able to say either way. So why struggle with it? Right. So, I mean, that's basically, I think, America. I, I don't even think that, I don't think, think that the people who put him on, put this shit on the news care about it I just think it's like everything they're looking for content oh no doubt about you know? it like, no doubt nobody really cares like I mean of course I like well, you care about it on a personal basis you care about it in the sense like you have an ethical opinion about like maybe this doctor and what he did or didn't do but at the end of the day like it doesn't affect any of our lives it no, just, it doesn't. As far as... And goes. Michael Jackson will still be not Dead. alive. Yeah. And we... I mean, he was obviously rich enough to do what he wanted, and he uh, hired a doctor who was an yeah. asshole, and that's what happens. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. true. No, it's true. But yeah. Occupy Wall Street. Can we... Can what? we close out this conversation oh. by acknowledging the theme? What is the theme? The lesson. I don't even know if it should be meant a song, or... What's the lesson? Don't pay a lot of money for an asshole doctor. <laughs> Kaiser Permanente. It's true. I pay $15 anytime I go to the doctor and they'll take an x-ray and they'll draw my blood and they'll give me... Well, now I have to pay for prescriptions. Anyways, you're totally right, though. You're totally right. What are we... <laughs> you get what you ask for. And... Wait, you get what you pay for. <laughs> oh! Oh, my God! Oh, my God. I, thought, <laughs> I think that was actually a Freudian slip because that's my also the faith that I hold for myself. <laughs> and now, as far as I'm getting, getting what you ask for, we move on to Occupy Wall Street. Oh, my goodness. That was smooth. Or we returned to because we... We did start off with it. We were Tangents, we were tangents to... are the order of the day on this podcast, just so we know. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and people always talk about how like they get on tangents like they need to not do it. But the best thing about podcasts is where you end up talking from where you ended up starting. Okay.
because you took a question that was not about you as being about you, it does not make you a narcissist. It means you were raised by a narcissist. Mom, if you figured out a way to download this, I don't care what you think about me. <laughs> you can't do this. This isn't a podcast. My favorite podcast, I love the smodcast.com. It's Kevin Smith, and he, he has like what he, it's called Smodcast Internet Radio now. And oh, so he does like internet radio, like live shows during the week, but then they also have a whole number of podcasts with him and people relating to like the Kevin Smith universe of all the films he's done, which I have shaped my sense of humor like from a young age, so why wouldn't I like Oh, that? really? Yeah. Like, he's... I'm at the point now where I've listened to every podcast and I subscribe to all of them and there's a bunch of them and I'm starting to like the honeymoon period starting to be over where I still like listening to it but I'm also starting to be like this is I'm starting to get like your tics and I don't you're awesome and real but that also means that you complain about being rich right so that's the flip side (laughs) of of influence you know but other than that, I really like Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience. He He's a dude who is a... Do you know much about Joe Rogan? Um, he's a com- I know he's on Fear Comedy Factor, Central. Oh, you know, that guy. That dude. Oh, and yes. Some people, I didn't know who he and, is. And he does, like, MMA fighting, announcing and stuff. And, like, yeah, he's a very dichotomized dude. Like, a lot of people hear him, who I talk to, and they're like, oh, Joe Rogan, really? Like, yeah, but you don't get... He's a stand-up comedian first, and he's a really deep stand-up comedian. Oh, really? Yeah, so they talk about a lot. Like, a lot of his shows are... They they talk about fighting. They talk about fucking. They talk about drugs. Is it Louis C.K.-ish? I mean, just as far as the dude and the, you know, working man guy. I guess it's sort of Louis C.K.-ish. It's a little younger than Louis C.K. A little less... A little bit more stoner than Louis C.K. Oh, okay. Like, they talk a lot about psychedelic drugs and... Like, just, like, metaphysical, like, he's really into, like, how the world is much older than we think it is. And, like, there's probably been, there's signs of, like, ancient civilizations that were, like, really advanced. Is he being serious? Yeah, yeah. I I completely believe it. I believe, I believe that the world is a lot older than we think it is. And that there's been a lot more humans that we think they are, that there have, than there have been. Like, human history goes back further. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, there's... Like, on what do you base this? I base this on, like... I've read, I've read a few books and li- heard more podcasting about it than anything, but I've, I've started reading... I mean, is this based on science? It's like based you, on science. Like, like, the, here's, like the, here's the same science that you could interpret a different way, or here's different science. How like about this? How about a map? Data. How about a map existing that has the, uh, a similar shape to Antarctica on it, when we didn't think that Antarctica was discovered until the 18th century. But there's maps that exist that are really old that, that give signs that people have the ability to map out Antarctica at one point before the Ice Age. I know we're crossing line into conspiracy theory territory. I no, but I think that, I mean, Occam's Razor, the simplest solution is either that actually Antarctica did exist then and they haven't put the pieces together about that or the map drawer like imagined it that's bullshit only because we know that antarctica is there and it's like a smaller version of the actual topography and or geology like it's like it's it's pretty accurate 
So I'm just saying I it's I, I definitely file it under the things that I don't know been, but I'm very fascinated by discussions that go into like the fact that like you have Machu Picchu, which is uh, you know it's grandly built like I agree. That's rocks weird. fitting together I like agree. that, That's weird. and like yeah. so all of a sudden you know. So I think that the likelihood that there there have been more human civilizations and more advanced human civilizations, not than ourselves necessarily. Like, Probably. who knows? But we haven't found, like, a nuclear reactor from, like, the, the distant right. past. You know, like, we haven't found electric things. So I don't think it was necessarily that, but something. I just think there's more to it. And I, I, I love, I mean, I'm a big fan of alternate history fiction. You know, I love that type of idea. Um, so that's why I love it. <laughs> In closing, in a nutshell, that's the, this is the type of discussion they'd have on the Joe Rogan experience. Which is why it's one of my favorite. Okay. And so he has a lot of comedians, and comedians do amazing podcasts. There's the Mark Maron show. Love. He's a comedian. Yes, and love it. He interviews it. other comedians. It's hilarious, and he interviews sort of semi-not comedians too. Like I've heard yeah, people on there yeah. who are, who like can be funny, but mm-hmm. aren't you know like stand up. Yeah, John Hamm on the other week. Last oh, did week. he? Last week I had John Hamm on. Yeah, I just, uh, I love his vibe, I love the way he thinks, and I remember, I mean, he's been kicking around since, like... Forever. I mean, forever. He was on MTV in yes, the middle of the night. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But that's, I mean, those are the best part. That, I mean, love podcasts. Anyways, so, yeah, Mark Maron's awesome. I really like, um, there's a show called The Lavender Hour. What's that? Uh, it's two comedians, Duncan Trussell and uh, Natasha Leggero. And they just, they're a couple. And they have good, just good conversations. And because comedians are people's, people, people's. Comedians is people. <laughs> I'll get you pregnant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, comedians are people who are used to talking and used to like just talking about anything and are very open. So it's very natural for them. And they use it as a way to promote their you're, you know, comedy shows. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why a lot of them are comedians. But um, as opposed to the rest of us who have spent our lives repressing well, every other impulse. We actually have. Musicians and comedians are bedfellows for sure. Yeah. Every musician. Uh, I think Dave Chappelle said it in his Dave Chappelle's block party. But anyways. Occupy uh, Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. American taxpayers bailed out Wall Street, and they took all that money. And they've done nothing to correct the way that they acted. They haven't paid back, I mean, a bit of it as far as to the American people for screwing up the country in that sense and then not helping to put it back together. And yet they have more profits than before. The whole idea that I totally support the idea of making a profit because that's capitalism, that's America. But when you're making profits so much that you're stifling everything ultimately, I mean... That's enough of a reason for Occupy Wall Street to me. And that's the common thread of all of them. Everybody's pissed off about the fact that we accepted that we had to bail, out, bail you out, but you're loaning less than you've ever loaned before. There are, you know, people still aren't, you know, there aren't enough jobs. You know what I mean? And, and I don't blame it all on them, but they're not helping. Right. You know what I mean? And they're making more money than anybody else. Well, so. I mean, and I think it's like what you're seeing is a is a symptom and not the problem because what's really happening is so who made the decision to give to grant the bailout it was the politicians right do politicians actually listen to their constituency no No. does the constituency care enough to even care call their politicians No. no so you have this body 
this disenfranchised population that because it's been disenfranchised for so long is now ambivalent. Right. So you right. have this voiceless, kind of oppressed across the board population with a leadership that doesn't give a crap. Right. And they just want to be make re everybody, they just want to be reelected, <laughs> they want to make money, and they want everybody to shut up about it. Right. So they throw money at these banks, they don't ask anybody for permission to do it, and the banks take the money and say hurrah and throw it at their CEOs and tell their CEOs to get a bonus and like go on vacation and all this Good crap. Good job, you just got right. us a, a grant. Way to, way to work it. Right. So I mean. It, it might be a symptom. Like that was your first idea that it, that's a symptom of, of the politics. Of a dis, no, of, of, a, of a disenfranchised population. Right. Definitely, and, and that's why that's why that, that's the leadership. ultimate reason to to support Occupy Wall Street because at least they're doing something. It may not be what we would do. I wouldn't go camp out in a park in New York City. You know, that that's like where where are they pooping? You know what? Yeah, they're pooping at McDonald's and they're all using the same public restrooms. I mean, if this is the if this is the thing that happens to finally wake up a generation yes. of people, I, I'm and all for it. And the probably most disenfranchised, except for like right before the Civil War, that the nation has ever been. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, you know, the media loves getting mileage out of what? As your fact checker, I just want to say that The Daily Show did coverage on where they're pooping, and they are pooping at McDonald's, but they're all trying to be patrons before they poop. I mean, that's sort of the spirit of the entire thing. Like, when, when, when the city and the government tried to use as, a, as a, an excuse to shut down it, to say, like, we need to get sanitation workers and this park hasn't been cleaned in weeks. And now they're you know, saying, you like, know the park yeah. Is privately they, owned, though. No, I do. Yeah. But as a, but I, but as a, as a gesture, they made a show this morning, just this morning, of cleaning it up mm -hmm. and saying, like, actually cleaning things have been going on for weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just trying to find a reason to kick us off. Which, I, I mean, if I was the head of that company, that's what I'd be doing. I mean, really? Uh, honestly, if that was my job and it, and, and it meant, like, I had to do that or lose my job, like, that's well, a tough position to no, be No, nobody's saying into the equation that you're going to lose your job. I mean, you're the CEO. The company just needs That's to stay true. profitable. That's true. And That's just a good because point. a lot of I'm not of thinking people, like a CEO. See, right. I'm thinking like an underling there. I'm thinking like as middle management who's just like, I'm right. trying to feed no, my family. No, you're not middle management. But if management. I'm the CEO, like, right. I'm not worried about money. It's yeah. your company. Well, I'm only worried about money, but I'm not, I'm going to be fine. And come on, if it's a park, I doubt it's owned by a publicly owned company. Right. So there aren't shareholders. Like, it really stops with the CEO, you know? So really, I mean... I, I, yeah, I wasn't putting myself in a position of power because the, I don't do that by default, but you're right. totally right. You're totally right. But yeah, I think, I think, I think what they're doing is, I think, I think it's ultimately cool. It's, it's definitely a very early something, but it's better than nothing. And it's what people, people in the liberal media have been talking about for years. Like, where are the people? Like, when are people going to get mad enough that they actually do something? Yeah. And I mean, you can look down on them because they're in their 20s and they have, the reason that people, they're mainly people in their 20s who are people in college and just out of college. Who can't who, get a job. Who can't get a job, and what were y'all doing in your 20s? Hi, welcome to the Longbeard Podcast. I think you accepted me. I don't think she's a low-level music executive. 
as an introduction, as, as a sidebar, I'm David Burns. I am who we call Longbeard. Um, I, I have songs out there on the internet, an EP out called The Tide. Um, and, and I mean, just like a stand-up comedian wants you to come to their gig, I totally want you to check out my music, but I also realized that there's a different crowd out there who's into different things, and so we decided to try to record a podcast. You know what I mean? So there's no better way to introduce you to Longbeard than to have you just listen to us be ourselves. Right. And so with us in the Longbeard family, we have my management team and creative team, uh, Suzanne Campbell, who we also might refer to as Charla or Charlie or Suze. Um, but I, it's one of the funniest things about knowing you is that, like, I still to this day, like, when I'm talking to you, you'll, you don't catch me saying your name very often because I know you. He always talks about you as Char Charlie mostly, sometimes Charla. But I feel most comfortable calling you Suzanne or Suze. But at the same time, when we're, like, together and he's calling you Charla, like, it's, like, a weird inconsistency. So it, the question since I've met you has always been to, what to call you. What I really, really want people to call me and what I wish I would be introduced as Cupcake? is Suze. Suze? I like Suze, too. Honey. I like a Suzu. I really want people to call me Suze. That's what my friends call me. Fact checker is putting it into the system. So Suze is... Thank you. The, the promotions manager, but also dabbles into everything else, the, the distribution, creative, um, muse... Um, I'm also the co-owner of a record label. Yes, yes. Do you? What do you feel? Uh, Suzanne and her, or Suze, sorry, Suze and her husband Brian, who has been my friend since I was ten for twenty years now, um, are our management creative team, and Longbeard sort of a vehicle for my my songwriting. But I don't want to call it David Burns because I, I want to be able to hide in something. <laughs> if I'm going to make myself so vulnerable, at least I can hide in a name. But um, across the country, we have Paul Clemson and Shane Wardo. Um, oh, yeah. He is the bassist and multi-instrumentalist. And um, Paul mixes and <clears throat> sort of co-produces co with me. Mm -hmm. um, the tracks. Both very, very talented fellows. Very talented. And um, yeah, that's introducing us, Brian, or David and Suze are your hosts. We're at longbeardmusic.com. Brian's putting together the massive, awesome site for us, and this will be all part of it. <laughs> we live in a multimedia world we in do. the 21st century, and we have podcasts are where it's at outlets. right now. And, and uh, so we hope you enjoy it. And we're just going to use it as a, we're really just going to talk about anything. You'll get to know us throughout it. You'll find out more about Longbeard. WW. All music on this podcast will be by Longbeard. Longbeardmusic.com. I think that we need to get something out of the air. I want to make love to a small schoolgirl. <laughs> Look, it's a podcast. It's recorded. We can go back and listen to it. I am a human Rubenstein machine. Oh my god! What year is this? That ghost got devilized. I'm gonna kill it. Wow, that was really racist. We're not married. It's a Sartor play.
controversial question for you. Ooh, that, that I, I love controversy. That I obviously. think you'll resist. All right. You may only pick one. Okay. What is your favorite album of all time? Sub question. What is your favorite? Sub question. What is your favorite song on that album? Sub question. What is your favorite track on your favorite single? I gotta tell you. I'm um, wait. Sure we're recording this. Favorite track. We are. we are. Favorite track on my favorite single? No. The favorite line of recording. Like, oh, the oh, really oh, good. okay, the is, okay. What's, what's great about this song is, oh man, even if it's just like three bars. I'd have to say, Wilson Phillips, Wilson Phillips. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, poor Carney. I keep wanting to go to Led Zeppelin. I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan at the root of it all. And I, I'm going to stay in Led Zeppelin because they've had the most impact on me. And my favorite album of Led Zeppelin. is Physical Graffiti. It's a double album. And my favorite track on Physical Graffiti is in the light. Do you know in the light? Um, I don't think so. Oh. You never been much of a Led Zeppelin fan? You know, I know their album with Going to California on it. Led Zeppelin Four. Oh my God! Yeah, How really? could you? You have been you know done what? a disservice. What, I, Brian? But at the same time, think about what joy it will be to discover them. Yes. Now. Yes, they could be your new life. favorite band. I know. Like tomorrow, I have. Every single one of their albums on CD. Well, give me. The I'm going to give you all of them. Of discovering Led Zeppelin. Yes, yes. You're taking home the Led Zeppelin discography. Tomorrow. I mean, I've never. What's the song that you said. In the light. I've never not liked them. I just haven't. <clears throat> that's so. That's so difficult. I spent and that's very hours and hours and hours oh. with them. See, they were for me. It was the Beatles and then Led Zeppelin. But Led Zeppelin was the one that really got me off. In a lot of ways. Oh, see, unfortunately for me, it was Wham, then Richard Marks. Uh, well, I mean, those were interspersed throughout. There. Those were like commercial break. Oh no, actually, those were before. Like I knew, I knew, I knew Wham and Richard Marks songs before I knew Beatles and Led Zeppelin songs for sure. They're just Beatles and oh, Led so Zeppelin. You're, you're talking about honest to goodness coming of age when your personal musical oh, taste started to emerge. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, Led Zeppelin was the band that made me want to play guitar. You know, and I wouldn't case, have gotten a guitar if it wasn't for Led Zeppelin. If, if we're talking about those bands... I thought we were going for greatest. Yeah, we are, totally. Yeah, that, I'm like, like, there's different between favorite and greatest, but I think they're probably the same, ultimately. Like, if I had, like, a Desert Island disc... Yeah. I'd want Led Zeppelin Physical Graffiti. Okay, and so, I'm sorry now... You would now. love that. You would love Physical I, Graffiti. I feel like I would. I love four. I mean, it's amazing. I could listen to it over and over. I just, I don't know, like, I don't that's know. That's the guitar music that I still like. So what's your favorite... A single on that album. In the light. In the, oh, that's right. That's yeah, what you yeah. said. And then, what's your favorite part of the song? Um, the last instrumental break where it goes. The, the guitar roll is like now, 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 now. I don't know. It's just a really, and it's a really weird one. Like I don't know why that was the one I went to. 
like, like, but if, but if I'm thinking like stream of conscious, like yeah, if yeah, I have yeah. to take like 30 seconds yeah. to a minute to think of each one, that's where I go today. It's got the perfect elements of amazing guitar, but it's also sort of a chilled back, dark, longer song. Um, but it's also in its darkness, it has very uplifting elements to it. And that's like ultimately what I try to do with music. And Led Zeppelin did like what, what Jimmy Page called a light and shade thing. You know, where you get hit really loud and then really, really soft. And it's sort of, I mean, it's, it's so difficult. That's a really uh, beautiful way to look Many at difficult it. questions. Like, that's a difficult question to answer at any time. That's where I go right now, right today. But tomorrow, I might be like, Led Zeppelin 3 since I've been loving you. But I'd probably always stay in Led Zeppelin. I mean, it's hard to... I even like the albums. Like, their last two albums didn't do as good. And people were thought they were sort of getting old, and I was like, no, I think it's as good as anything. I almost picked a song off one of them. Achilles' Last Stand, off of Presence. Thank you. When I was in eighth grade, I was I read um, my first. Le- I got into Led Zeppelin, and I was reading a Led Zeppelin biography. This was the year Brian was in Maryland and having a tough year. We'll cut that part out. Tough year uh, out. I just remember that Maryland felt like it was the, it was when your brother went crazy. Oh, yeah, that's when Jason went. Nuts. Yeah, and so that made it really yeah. tough for you. That's that that was my impression of. And Opie's the only dude I ever met, and that yeah. dude was a pothead before I even knew potheads yeah, existed. Was, I didn't he was, know he was a pothead. I was he just got like, busted for selling acid in ninth grade. See, there you go. Oh like, my god! And that was around the time that he came to visit, like because yeah. it, it was the within the year, and I'd never met a dude like that ever in my life, and I just like naturally was just like. Uh, he was my best friend. And he was his best. He was Brian's best friend in Maryland, so I always I always associated that like as a very dark period, and plus I didn't have my best friend around. So. That was tough. Yeah. But I, anyways, the point that what we can cut out embarrassing stuff about Brian. Well, it's not embarrassing, but you know what I mean? I don't want to talk about your darkness unless you're talking about it. And it might have, you may not even see it as darkness. It must be. Anyways. Um, oh, yeah. In eighth grade, I was reading a Led Zeppelin biography while like everybody was like, it was eighth grade, like, and I was the only person. I was friends with like Shane and some other smart kids, mm-hmm. and so I would like tell the. There's infamous road stories about them fishing off of their balcony in Seattle and catching the fish and then putting a hooker in the tub with the fish and like <laughs> inserting the fish's nose into her and stuff like that. What? Like, there's like all these crazy stories and like, it's it's like it was commonly believed that like they sold their souls to the devil and stuff. I'm sorry. Wait, who is this? Led Zeppelin. Like oh. rock star bacchanalia type oh. shit. And so I'm like sitting like reading that book at the lunch table like telling these people about these like incredibly perverted crazy things and none of them were on the same page at all. Oh my It was really goodness. funny. But it was, I didn't grow up in a family with rock and roll music. So it was like I was discovering a whole new like world. Oh. You know, it was completely mine. Wow, you're really taken by that. I mean, don't you think guys have, people have tried, and with the women uh, taking part, don't you think they've tried to stick like everything and everything at this point? Are you really surprised? N- no, I just. When, especially when there's drugs involved. I think I'm just sad that in this day and age, there's still so much hatred towards women, and there's women who hate yeah. themselves. I mean, it's just a sad thing. Yeah, because there's a sense that once, once anything kinky like, like where you need to bring in 
like anything beyond like maybe a vibrator. Like there's a sense that there's a fetish thing going on and which means that you've gone to certain extents in your life in one way or another that have made it like so difficult for you to like have pleasure that you have to introduce like different things into it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so we're ultimately, if, 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 although I really just think, I mean, I know what you're saying because it's really also about just the men disrespecting her and her playing along and just being caught in the moment. Like everybody was consensual. So it's like, you can't feel too bad, but just the fact that that exists is tough enough. So here's what I was going to ask you before. Okay. We started talking about human frailty and, Yes. If if your favorite passage on the album, mm-hmm. those few seconds that have that personality that you described. Okay. The the light and the shadow and how else did you describe it? Climbing upwards. Yes. But also having like acknowledging the darkness but moving up. If that thirty seconds or whatever that passage of music were a person, who would it be? Dee Dee, my oh. wife. Oh. If that passage of music were a public figure, famous person, or historical figure, who would it be? Um, we totally scratched up your table. That's okay. Um, wow. I'm trying to be sort of stream of consciousness about it. The only person I can think of is like Jesus. <laughs> like the actual point of it, not like what people have made of it. The whole the whole idea behind that myth. You know. Yeah. The behind the legend that's been built up, behind all of the bullshit. That's what it's ultimately about. Speaking of Jesus, what was the first moment that you ever felt separated from your parents' ideas? From what you knew you were supposed to be believing? When my dad told me that he had gotten, uh, that he was having a kid with the woman he left my mom for. Like, before they were married. I was 10, 9 or 10. And that suddenly made you go, is Jesus really Jesus? Well, kind of, well, it's not even to that point yet. It was to the point, it was, it was even, like, even, even more abstract, like, even more abstract than that, even more, like, to the point where it's, like, so people, like, in my world can do things that I've been taught my entire life are wrong. Oh, yeah, I see. Like, because that's, yeah. that's at the basis of before you give any of those things a name, like, God or religion or whatever, those are all, like, like, oh, like, people that I have to love are going to do things that I'm supposed to think that people go to hell for yeah that's like and I could see that it wasn't so clear cut because everything was still going and it was like and there's that disconnect a kid came out of it it was just like yeah that that was the first moment we disconnect but I mean but that has to do with like I suppose the the fact that my parents got divorced when I was like six like you're only beginning to Mm -hmm. shape your personality at that point so my entire reality has been based upon the fact that like things can go ultimately wrong no matter what you believe so what's the point and maybe it's not true right yeah you're murphy's law kid yeah yeah i still i still operate by murphy's law for sure like intuitively which is why when you when sometimes when you try to joke with me i give you serious answers because ultimately i'm thinking well 
This is a trick. If something's gonna be wrong, it is. It's gonna be wrong, and like you know, like not even is it a trick. It's not even like I think it has anything to do with you. It has to do with me being overly willing to um, to accept the truth, even if like it's a small thing. Like like if you told me something and we're joking about a personality characteristic of me. Even if I knew that that was like a minuscule part of me and there were other things that made me a lot better, I still might choose to focus on that and just like actually seriously look at it because I think every joke is actually a, a chance for the person who's being the punchline to actually like take a serious moment about themselves and like see how true that is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I think I just totally did one of those things when I, that I do where I over-explain things. But. What, what was it like when you guys were gigging around in New York together? Oh, it was terrifying, but awesome. Like with Cassidy. So you've been in a few bands before. Yeah. First, there was the fuzz. Right. That was high school. And I only bring that into it because Shane, who's the bassist, and Brian, who's our management creative director, both of those guys were in that band. Right. So I'm still working with those people. Which oh, that's is, so neat. Yeah. yeah. Which is why it's worth, like, we, like my, I, I had this weird thing. Uh, I tend to not necessarily be the most dynamic person in a group of friends, but I'm, I've also, for a number of groups of friends, been, like, a common denominator. Like, there's a lot of people in my life who are friends because... Like, the only reason Paul's involved, or Paul knows Shane, is because I was friends with both of them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean that as, like, an ego thing. I just mean, like, that's the way it's worked out. And I don't necessarily, at all times, feel like the most dynamic person in that group. But something about the friends we've been been able to pile up over the years, like, some of them have stuck. Mm -hmm. And most of them, for me, I mean, I guess it's probably because it's just my life. But, like... So the fuzz was the beginning of that stack and the most important layer of that stack until a few additions later, like wives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wives are more important always. And you're a <laughs> wife, so. You got ultimately moved up in the hierarchy. <laughs> but um, then after the fuzz, I did a few bands. I did, uh, there were the Flaming Daves for a year. There were the and were you guys Bearded Daves. Were you guys playing in the in the city then? No, this was just this was in college. Okay, I'm just going okay. through the through my, right. my discography very quickly. So there was the Flaming Daves, the Bearded Daves. The Bearded. No, there was never the Bearded. There was never the Bearded. Okay. But that's okay. Now there's the long beard. Right. It's funny that I was the Bearded Daves at one point and we should ended up, I ended up we ended up going long beard. That's sort of funny. Anyways, after that, there was um, Baited Breather for a year, and then Vaughn for a year. That was all college. Different band every year because I always had different musicians around me. Brian had a big part in the creative push. We still have Vaughn shirts that are around. Yes, indeed. With with Brian's design that we spray-painted on. And then, straight from that, I moved to New York City, from Illinois to New York City. And we all sort of moved there together and did Cassidy in New York. And that was like a mix of. Um, was that the band that played at CBGB? Yes, that was the that was the New York City band was Cassidy. Okay. Uh, the whole time we were in New York City, it was well, Cassidy. And we all Shane, Brian, and I moved there together. And Brian was playing guitar with us at that point. And uh, the whole intention was really to move there. And like Brian was finishing up school, but as far as like Shane moving there and me moving there, like we were going to try to do a band again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that was, so and the for dream, me, the dream is yeah. Happening. And I can see now that 
possibly possibly both Brian and Shane maybe didn't take that as seriously as I did. Not that they didn't put themselves full into it and fully invest in it. But you knew by then that but was I was the, life, But right? I was the only one in the group who was like, well, I have... Well, I guess Shane had a music music Shane had a music degree. Mm-hmm. But I think Shane had always... He, you know, he's, he's become a bit of a teacher, too. And he always had that in the back of his head that he wanted to teach. For me, it was like, okay, we're getting together, we're doing my songs. You know, being the by default figurehead because that's the only way that I'll work call that what you want but, mm-hmm. but um did you a- feel like the night you guys got to play CBGB did you did some part of you go I'm finally making it no I've the the like, the sense the sense of like we're doing something important like as far as like participating what in musicians history do. Or yeah, yeah. Or just, like, playing the clubs in New York City is sort of a miserable experience. I imagine until you get really good or if you just live in Brooklyn and do that. But um, but I, I there was definitely a sense of participating in music history, but there was also an equal, if not over, overwhelming sense of, yeah, but the bands, we're not that horribly good, and the bands who are playing with us are worse. So we there was definitely a sense of, like, this means nothing really we're playing during oh, yeah. during the week and like it doesn't matter if people aren't showing up yeah and i found i found playing in cbgb's like as far as like the musical live environment that i've been accustomed to going to college and just think that is it was too rock and roll it was too not about music do you know what i mean like it was obvious that the, yes. the only reason that place existed was for people to go to see music but at the same time like all the things that made it Historic almost had nothing to do with music because the music wasn't in the building. Right. It was just where the messed up people did the awesome things, which is any, all art is a messed up person doing an awesome thing. So when you went to college, did you major in music performance or music I, production? Re, re, music production was a studio recording. As the person who records? As the person who records, and that's what I still do. Okay. So I got like a more of a technical background in some ways, although they're like piano lessons and so guitar lessons. Were part of, oh no, you said oh, you, you I mean, said you took yes piano lessons. Like I, I took, I took. Well, no, I never took piano lessons. I'm self-taught on piano. Oh. I took. Well, I took piano lessons in college, but I already knew how to play a little bit of piano before then. But oh, okay. and I never really got into lessons thing because I'm a songwriter. So you were I never like very technically heady about the songwriting. I'm still not like I'm not the type of person who like knows much about guitar gear like I know what guitars I like and what kind of gear I like but I don't get into what has ever come out I've never right. been like I don't go look at guitars are the guitars you admire most self-taught yeah but that was that's probably in retrospect like that didn't make you want to start playing guitar no somebody was like, I don't know what made me want to start play- I mean just hearing to get the chicks no I I, I foregoed chicks for music plenty of times in high school. It was just, uh, I mean, music was always the natural thing. It was always the thing I liked, but the moment I wanted to put it on a guitar was just when I heard Jimmy Page play guitar. Something about the excellence of it and about the, I don't know. It was like athleticism yeah. of it or something. Yeah, there, I, I mean, like, the thing is, is I've, 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 I've been, I can see that I've been a musician so long that I don't remember, like I remember eras like when I put on the fake guitar lacrosse stick with the yarn around it to play it yeah. while I was listening to Led Zeppelin on my headphones for hours. 
like when that happened i don't know i I just know it was led zeppelin that made it happen but i don't know exactly why i went to the guitar why that happened yeah just did you know how do you keep a day job from raping your soul you don't you deal with your soul being raped and you have another part of your soul that you keep unraped it's both and you can't like to me like i mean i could have lived a much more hardcore existence as far as musicality goes but to me like the first thing that happened was to me was losing family as far as like a family breaking apart so family was always the top goal to have a family mm-hmm. you know so it was never i don't know i mean you could call me a wuss i guess because there's certain elements about being a musician in the around the turn of the century that i you know in the 2000s that i didn't like i didn't like gigging so if I'm not going to gig and I'm not going to make money playing gigs, I've got to make money doing something. And when I'm not doing anything that's like standard and fits me into some rules and like makes me go to it every day, I get up in my head and I get depressed, you know? So, yeah. so the, a day job is really just a protection against feeling like a loser. Like, I, I mean, part of Dee Dee wouldn't mind. I mean, she would mind because we have bills, obviously, and we're having a kid now. But she understood for a while when I at first quit I quit working day jobs, working a day job early on in New York after Cassidy had been together for like a year and a half. And we were gigging pretty, we were doing all of like the Manhattan clubs that you do. Um, But I just ended up having like your 20 nothing period during that period. Like, and it just ended up feeling better to be doing something all day. Yeah. Like, it, it drives me crazy. I mean, I love I, that I work in a library, so I believe in what I do elementally, but it sucks. Like, who, who likes yeah, having a day right. job, you know? But um, ultimately, I feel better yeah. doing it. So. What are your... How long have you lived in L.A.? It'll, it's been just four over years? four years. Yeah, just over what, four years. What were your favorite things about it when you got here, and what, what are your favorite things about it now? My favorite things about it when we got here were that it it wasn't New York. (laughs) (laughs) That it's like much more less consuming and spread out. That even despite its its weaknesses like the traffic and Mm -hmm. the the sense that everything here is so entertainment based that it's pretty narcissistic and people call it fake and it is in a lot of ways but it's not in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like if you lived here like yeah there's some there's fakeness but you know that it's fakeness so you don't even like really pay attention to it if you can help it. And it's actually, all things considered, a very small segment of the Yeah, population. yeah. But it's, like, it's one of those cities, like, where we're looking out the window right now and there's just, like, trees. And I birds. Just, there's more and nature laughing. here. Yeah, it's yeah. more, it's, you, you can go up, like, into the hill and come across the coyote. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something cool about that. And it's, it much more fits my personality. And I, 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 I would ultimately not like to be living in a city. I'd rather, you know, I want the dream of a house outside of the city, but... I'm definitely not a city person at heart, but I've definitely adjusted to it. I've definitely adapted and just like become content with it. But this just city makes me feel much better about living in a city. Me I couldn't too. go on living in Manhattan just like it's just brutal. Just too much, and it's yeah. brutal, and I'm too Ugh. I'm just too sensitive for it. I guess yeah, I'm too much. So if you want to call me what you want to call it, like I gave it three and a half years, and you know got to I actually got to a point where by the time I decided to leave, I had like a standoff like nobody was really hurting anybody in New York you know like I was getting by but 
I wasn't getting ahead and I wasn't pushing forward and I was just like okay to stay where I was yeah you know what I mean and, and I just knew that that wasn't a way to live and 2006 was a crappy year so I was yeah. just like let's get out of here Did that little kid just drop the F-bomb? Pizza order, baby. All Street sucks. <laughs> Shower thoughts here on the Long Beard Podcast. Now, keep in mind, I'm a writer, so I'm constantly trying to come up with story ideas in my head. I'm Love always, it. like, I'm always pitching to myself, like, all Long beard theater. Yes, I'm, okay. I'm always... Bring it on. We'll, we'll, we're going to expound on this. Give me the idea. I love it. I saw your, you, you have little notes. Asus has little notes. Yes. Around a corkboard. And on they're, all my, awesome. they're all my ideas. story ideas. It's like, I have, like, 50 or 60 story ideas back right. there. So... The one I came up with today in the shower was... What part of your body were we washing when you did this? My hair. Awesome, that makes sense. Um, Not sexy, but it makes sense. So what if... Now, I have not thought... I have not expressed this past this question. Okay. So I don't have a plot for you. I don't have a title. I got you. But it's a question. It's a question. It's a thesis. What if women evolved to the point... That they could, in the same way, we can be told to inhale deeply, and we do. We're told to hold our breaths for 30 seconds, and we do. We're told to, um, you know, jump up and down, and we do. Do you mean you tell yourself to do this, or somebody else is telling you to do it? No, no, no. These are all voluntary reflexes, okay? Okay. As opposed to... So your mind controls your body to that length? Is that what you mean? No, so... So in general, in, in physical sciences, in, okay. in, in biology, All right. there are involuntary actions of the body and there are voluntary actions. Involuntary, right. our brain, our nervous system, our inspiration, circulation. circulation. We don't control that stuff, it just, it just goes. However, right. the voluntary systems are obvious. Um, with that being said, What are we talking about? Oh my goodness, the pitch, your your, your idea. Oh yes! Oh my god! A, thank you. Your story idea in the shower today while you're washing your hair. I, I just want to interject here that it might be time to turn off the podcast and just have a conversation for the sake of it, because it it has gone south. <laughs> we just got fired. As you know, what as soon as I start talking about myself, the podcast goes south. <laughs> It's been going south for a couple high breaks. I'm not as high as either of you. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I stopped smoking weed an hour ago. No, you didn't. Okay, we'll turn it off. All right. Seuss has overridden our fact checkers. Uh, and and I, I think that... Okay, so we're going to start this bit again with a little bit more. And this is just going to be a bit. Okay. And then we'll stop. Um... But I like the idea, since you're a writer and you have a lot of ideas, of positing questions that you've come up with as a thought for ideas. Not only does it help you, but it's a cool thing to talk about and explore. Okay. So go ahead and try to give it to me as succinctly as possible. Okay. The question I thought of today that a story could be built around is as follows. 
<laughs> oh, marital strife making its way out in entertainment. <laughs> Bring it on, girl. I'm happy to hear it. At some point in the future, okay. women have evolved chromosomally, I don't know, whatever, so that the reproductive system okay. becomes a voluntary reflex. Oh, meaning like you can make yourself pregnant without having sex? That's correct. So that... Uh, that would be tough. So that... You have your own men, sperm? So that to the, to the point that they can also decide whether or not to have a boy or a girl. Okay. The boys who are born, for whatever reason, have to then spend their entire lives finding and convincing women to keep having male babies. Oh. Oh, can you tell them about the birthing through the mouth one? This is a bona fide science fiction idea that Brian has extended numerous vetoes to. Numerous vetoes. We live in a world. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag passive aggressive. <laughs> we live in a world um, where, again, women have evolved, or this is more of a mutation issue, um, chromosomally or whatever, right? <laughs> I don't under, I, w I couldn't even pretend to talk about the science of it. I just it's need all to about get, the ideas. Yeah, and it's the just lines. easy to get from point A to yeah, point B. Yeah, yeah. Um, so women have evolved to the point where, oh, I'm sorry, it is genetic, genetic mutation. It's not part of evolution. Um, women have genetically mutated to where one in every hundred, which is pretty high, 1% is pretty yeah. high. It's like um, almost the autism rate. Will die in childbirth because her body has mutated to where she, the birth canal is actually through the esophagus, throat, and mouth. And the baby is born through the mouth and it kills the mother, but it saves the baby. And because of the baby's position and attachment to the body, you can't abort it. Like it, it may be stillborn, but it, but it must, grow on its own to completion, but it's a death wish for the mother. So people are very, very, very choosy about when to try to have a child. And as a consequence, childbirth becomes a very heated issue and a very sensitive one for women. And it's just a completely different world. Well, if I take both of those ideas together, I know they could be. They're I know they're different. separate, but they both carry. They, it's only because I take them both together because I choose to because they both have themes. Oh yeah, sure. That that share each other like men, be men becoming completely irrelevant, <laughs> and well, uh, yeah. while I understand that impulse, I think it's a freaking ridiculous way. It's like. It's like the ridiculous. It's it's like the. It's the lesbian in me. It's it's the it's the part of feminism that. Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like you, the, like I'm not saying anything about feminism as an idea because I I think that ultimately. Yeah, it, you seem like you would have taken. Feminist no, I would. Studies or I would, but 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 because of that, because I used to I used to be one of those stupid gay dudes who said. 
Like, I am a feminist. Like, I used to identify as a feminist, mm-hmm. but I can't really. My whole point is, like, I, I don't... I think it's nice. It's, it's, a, it's a gesture. It's more of, like, yeah. an intention than anything. But because of that and because I so do totally agree with women equality, this is the type of stuff that is not women equality. This is the type of stuff of, like, retribution for men being assholes. Like, you become irrelevant. Like, that's where that comes from. And that, like, in a place, in, in two stories, both where... Two, two In two stories where, where men become irrelevant, okay? It would seem like retribution to you since you're part of the... Because I'm a man and I don't want to be irrelevant. And, right. and, and I'm not... How and can you not I think don't, anything other than it's... Like a well, that's exactly that's exactly my point, though. Why should like, you so, take that personally? I take it personally only because I, I know so, it's obvious. It t- I take it personally because the same you are male. the same in the same reason that when I was in middle school and you go up to a girl who is your friend and you go like this and you'd be like, "Get off of me!" You put your hand on her shoulder and say, "Get off of me!" You're like, "What?" I mean, I know that I seem like a needy, sensitive guy, but I'm not like trying to rape you. I'm just trying to like, hey. You know, like there was, it's the same, it's the same difference when you're in, in LA, when you're in LA as a guy, um, there's real, there's women who are really pretty and they have the right to be their really pretty selves, Mm -hmm. but that there's a lot more women who are like sevens or eights Mm -hmm. who act like they're tens. So I, I totally I resent say, I totally resent I when I'm walking down the street. A long time. I, I totally resent when I walk down the street and a, a girl catches me like just sort of like looking at her like another human being, not looking her up or down, just looking at her. Yeah. And she gives me like a like, little smile like, like you don't have any rights. I'm like, look at you're not as good as you think you are. Right, honey, you're an. You're ace. overdoing it. To you're me, eight point one this, at best. And, and to me, when 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 in any feminist thought or feminist um, inspired art men become irrelevant it's so contrary to reality in any productive discussion as to like women equality that it does you less favors than you wish I don't want to make men irrelevant but I think those are both both, interesting questions and both of those interesting questions have a common result and so all I'm saying is what's up with that what's up with that what's up with that What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? No, no, no. Shut up, Brian. He's trying to to cock block. Who knows what could come out of this? It could be genius. It's true. Okay, well, turn it off here. Goodbye, everybody. We'll be back. You have been listening to the Long Beard Podcast in which David says like far too much and the conversations have been disjointed. They promise to get much better at this in the future. Tune in again. You can find us at www.longbeard.music.com This is Caballo saying goodbye and farewell and see you soon and all that wonderful stuff that humans say. I'm going to go lick my crotch for a while. Bye.